Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group, a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show, Being Human. Hello, I'm Michael. My mother's maiden name is Selby. My internet password is boobies1. I'm into certain competitive sports, but not others. I prefer ale to beer. I don't understand Minecraft. What is Minecraft? I'm scared of slugs. I voice hypocritical objections to self-service checkouts, and I lost my virginity on a bed. Endorse it. Favourite colour? That would be khaki green. It's a kind of... green. This is a podcast all about the BBC free drama Being Human, a show which ran from 2008 to 2013. Just to let you understand the format that lies ahead, we will be going through every single episode, all five series, of the show. Uh, These episode reviews will be released once a month, every full moon. And from next month, which will be July, it will be two episodes a month on the same day. So next month we will do episodes one and two from series one. On top of that, there will also be bonus episodes two which will be audio essays and interviews. We will be covering Becoming Human, the books, and of course the US version of the show. Before I get on to my first guest and discuss the pilot, I thought I'd just explain why I'm doing a podcast about being human, bearing in mind it is a show that finished nine years ago. (laughs) Quite simply, it's my favourite TV show of all time, and it is something that at the time that completely took me off guard. I've never really had an interest in sci-fi, certainly not vampires or werewolves or any of that stuff. Twilight to me, which kind of came around in terms of films, came around at the same time, just struck me as completely naff. I've always been a bit of a TV geek, passionately into comedy, Lee and Herring, space back in the day. Um, Life on Mars, I would say, was probably as sci-fi as I got, apart from maybe Back to the Future, of course which I will always love, and Teen Wolf, thinking of it, Teen Wolf, so basically anything that involved Michael J. Fox, because when I was younger, I wanted to be Michael J. Fox, Um, so it was very limited, it was a very limited experience with sci-fi, obviously I've seen certain films and been into them, but it's, it's never something that captured me, so I remember seeing an original trailer for Being Human back in, must have been 2009, and it did grab my attention. It was when Annie goes through the door and uh, Mitchell's stuck outside. But for some reason, that first series at the time passed me by. I didn't catch it on iPlayer or anything. I did at one stage catch a late night repeat on BBC One. Now, I'm not sure if this was literally around the time that the originals went out on BBC Three or a few months later, and it was George and Mitchell in the hospital. But having not watched Series 1, I settled in to watch the first episode of Series 2 live, and it was an instant moment. It just, everything about it just caught me. So from then on, for the next four years, every Sunday night, I banished my flatmate out of my room and immersed myself into this mad yet strangely familiar world. Um, I didn't understand certain references to the first run at the time, but it didn't matter because as a show, being human may have a supernatural aura, its heart is completely human, and that's what I fell in love with. It's flawed, it's funny, it's dark, and it's everything in between. So my obsession started taking over really in 2010. Um, I read the BBC Being Human blog, which was amazing and you don't get that kind of thing nowadays without wanting to sound old it was where all the fans came to talk about episodes and prequels and theories and a lot of the cast and the crew and the writer toby whithouse would uh, post blogs now i was a lurker i would say on that blog until 2012 where i signed up but i wasn't that active on it i was more like just interested in reading what people were saying But from that, essentially, I met quite a few of the bloggers in real life. We would then go on to have meetups 
sometimes at filming, sometimes at location spotting. And yes, this is all incredibly as sad as it sounds, but I'm sure I'll get onto that in time. There are so, so many great TV shows. I know they're saying we're in a golden age of TV, and we are. There's so many amazing programs out there now. But I think Being Human is one of those shows has been overlooked in its importance in terms of storytelling, in terms of the actors and what they've gone on to, in terms of what it achieved, in terms of the limited budget it had. But the intention of this show is not to sugarcoat everything. It is my job and the guest's job to point out any flaws or say if we think anything didn't quite work. But ultimately, the podcast is a celebration of a show that is often overlooked, sometimes forgotten about. And let's remember it and all the detail. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, speaking of the blog, my first guest is someone who I met through the show and shared some pretty mad adventures with, um, but I'm sure we'll go into some more of that later. So they are definitely my perfect co-host. Actually, before I introduce you, can I ask what you identify as? Do you mean my pronoun? Um, I'm thinking more of, are you a werewolf? (laughs) Or like a werewolf? A vampire or a ghost? Uh, I think that's a really odd odd question. I wasn't expecting that question. Um, I reckon vampire i knew you'd go for vampire they're the coolest one though aren't they uh i guess so but he's got to have more of a reason than it's just cool well they're cooler they're a bit fitter than the others (laughs) and they're like a bit edgy and metally i feel like that's me and they're a bit paler (laughs) what are you saying (laughs) yes i'm from farmland i'm a bit pale i can't help it and you are a metalhead do you wear leather jackets well Actually, that's a lie. I think my current jacket is more like a moddy jacket, but with spikes. Yeah, that's vampire-y. Yeah. I don't know what I'd identify. I think probably a ghost. Because uh, yeah. I just... I can't be a vampire because I don't kill people when I have sex with them. <laughs> I mean, I'm well, good. That's your own preference. I'm good, you know. but I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> a werewolf. I can't be a werewolf. Because I'm I'm smooth like a baby's behind. I just don't think you'd get angry enough to be a werewolf. I don't know, mate. You haven't seen me walk my dog. Well, true. Um, so a ghost. Because I can be invisible. I can go unnoticed. And I can also throw objects at people I don't like. And you can rent a ghost just to get somewhere exactly. you want to go. Although you do like walking, so maybe you wouldn't yeah. want to do that. No, I'd still walk as a ghost, but I'd just rent a ghost pe- I'd just uh, poltergeist people. Fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> just like rent a ghost on holiday. Yeah. Like, fuck it, I'm off yeah. to Greece. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you first get into the show? I, I'm sure you told me years ago, but I can't quite remember. Do you think that, like, we should say who I am? Oh, though, so that people know yeah, as, as, you, as you identify as a vampire, you are Hemming. I refer <laughs> to you as Hemming. Yeah, because we all go by our last yeah. name. Yeah, that's me. I'm Hemming. So, Hemming, how did you get into the show? Um, um, so, I mean, I didn't watch the pilot when it was initially out. Um, but I saw the first season on BBC Three, and I, I just fucking loved it. I think that it was just amazing. It was an amazing TV show doesn't hurt that you know mitchell was fit i've not as was rustov so that rustov rustov russell toby and aid turn <laughs> no because he's just mitchell <laughs> <laughs> we don't need his actual name rustov we've met him he's like a friend <laughs> now right you meet somebody once they're a friend friend now. of the podcast who's um, never been on the podcast yeah exactly Shout out to Rustov. Um, but, yeah, it was just really good. And, um, you know, when it continued into the later seasons and we had the blog and we all became friends and we were all meeting up quite a lot and um, we were meeting the cast and stalking filming. It was just, it was like a community, wasn't yeah, it? absolutely. You know, we, we had the best time. And um, even in the evening, if we were just sat at home, I'd be on Twitter tweeting with all the bloggers and drinking and you know i'd be smashed by two o'clock in the morning still on there <laughs> after the episode had aired it was brilliant we used to have a brilliant and time. we'd literally watch the episodes because we, we it, we'd be watching it two or three times the same night with the sound completely down <laughs> and yeah. just talking about it 
Exactly. Almost like this podcast. But exactly. The, we were ahead of our time. We were, we were above the trend. That's what happened. So as the best things in being human come in freeze, what are the three reasons why you like being human? And is it still your best show? Your favourite show? Um, so three reasons. I, I didn't write this down. I know you told me to do this, but I actually didn't because I'm not very good at taking direction. Hence the vampire thing. <laughs> Rebel um, vampire. I know, sorry. So, I think, I like the, I mean, I love the genre. Um, anything that's a bit weird, I'm all about that. And at that time, I think this was like the only thing that was on that I was aware of that I wanted to watch that was part of that genre. So, that's one of the reasons that I loved it. You know, like I said before, it's a bit shallow, but the fit guys helped. I really enjoyed that. I knew that would be an answer. Um, well, you know, you can't help it. You've got to appreciate it somebody's good looking and I did I was just appreciating it um and I mean if I think about it now the third reason that I loved it was the community like I said before because we just built this huge it went way beyond the blog you know it was like proper I mean we're still friends all of us we still speak all the time um people came over from different countries to meet up with us like it was just mad we've I've got friends all over the world now as a result of being human and I think I would never change that. I absolutely love it. It's something it. that went beyond the show, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, as if it's like 10 years since we all Pretty first met so, up. Yeah, yeah there was the, I think it was the anniversary of the first bloggers meetup last week. Um, so yeah, 10 years and we're all still speaking and meeting up and we're really good friends and, you know, some people are getting married and we're going to be going to their weddings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Which, uh, a, a wedding which I would clarify is not going to be star wars themed despite how much your oh. boyfriend wants it to be yeah only because he could just he could dress up as a stormtrooper and be the usher <laughs> you're, you're underestimating how good this is i don't like star wars but he looks funny in this outfit it's actually a brilliant idea i mean i'll leave it there you can use it if you want it's not happening <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess i when i was thinking about this I was trying to restrict it to free, but then there's so many reasons. But yeah. uh, I love the contrast between the humour and the darkness. To me, that's one of the things that first captured me, how that could be something so ridiculous one minute and then so dark the next. And it t- touches on quite dark subjects as well. And I know you'll relate to this because we sp- probably spent over 10 years of our life quoting it, the dialogue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's just so beautifully flowing and and quotable and just also real isn't it that's what i guess why we relate to it yeah and this was something that when i was watching re-watching the pilot for this i was writing down the quotes that i thought were funny and that was from the pilot so and i, I mean we use a couple yeah. of them um and i didn't even realize they were from the pilot it's just like you say it sticks in your head doesn't it i love the dialogue yeah and my third one is every series and i'm sorry i'm english i'm calling it series uh is <laughs> it's the UK version, it's okay. is that every every series has a different feel to it yeah i think everyone has their favorite series as well yeah. don't they yeah i just think like in terms of tone in terms of subject there's and even on screen it there, there was always a different look about it so it kind of flows and evolves as a show and the character development in each series is totally different like you know, Mitchell in series one compared to Mitchell in series two is two yeah. different people. You would never know they were the same character. Uh, the old A turn. A turn, yeah. I mean, Rustov's pretty consistent. What about Len Critch? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to do that to all of them. I like to call myself Sue Hem. No, Hemming. We've clarified. The... <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get on to the pilot, um, at the time, in 2008, there were five other pilots commissioned by BBC Free director Danny Cohen. All the idea was to rebrand the channel and help it to compete online. Now, have you ever heard, I, I mentioned this to you the other day, of Foo Action? So, I hadn't heard of it until you yeah. told me about it. Yeah. No. Well, do you remember a show called Banzai years ago? No, see, no. this is the thing. I've always in my head, this won't help you, 
I've always confused Foo Action with a show called Banzai, even though it's got a totally different name, and even though that I know that was a Channel 4 show. Oh, because I was going to say, were they both on no, BBC3? it was a Channel 4 show from about, it must have been about 2005-ish or something. But, um, yeah, I'd never seen Foo Action, even though I've heard a lot about it over the years. And in research for this, I tried to watch it. I tried to <laughs> right. watch it. Um, it's basically about a crime-fighting duo called Whitney Action, <laughs> played by Jamie Winston, who teams up with a kung fu cop, and they try to defeat some mutants called the Freebies Gang. Yep. Who was it written by? It's written by... Well, Jamie Hewlett of the band Gorillaz. Hey, yeah, what? I mean, if you see it and you see cast and, and fan art of it now, you can see totally it's a very Gorillaz vibe. Uh, Damon Alban even provides the music for it, apparently. And it's created and based on a comic strip that he did for a magazine called The, uh, called the Face, but the comic strip was called Get the Freebies. Now, in the first scene... I could, the Freebies gang, essentially, the only way I can describe them, they look like, one looks like a hunchback gorilla wearing a Where's Wally top. Right. One is a short man with a basketball as a hat, as a face, and, his t- and teeth showing from the basketball. Okay. And the other looks like a male sex doll with bulging eyes and a balloon hat with ears. Interesting. So, Hang on, I'm, I'm getting it up on my phone so I can have another look at it. So in the very first scene, they break into Buckingham Palace and kill the Queen. Okay. <laughs> but it's, like it's, a really it's strange. Dramatic... You've got to admire the ambition of it, but it is so strange. And, and what was the Camilla's uh, gorilla's connection? Do you know what I felt when I was watching it? I ain't happy. I'm feeling sad. <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not being funny, Mikey, but I've just got this picture up, right, that you're talking yeah. about. Which one do you think looks like a sex dog? I'm mildly concerned. <laughs> well, <laughs> I get up to in my own time. Well, yeah. Let, let's yeah. leave that there, then. So. Yeah, what's with the basketball that's got know, to mate, And they've all got really strange voices and. Lots of stripy clothes as well. Like, I mean, they could all at least wear something different. Yeah. Um. I could cope with 20 minutes of it. That's pretty much okay. all I could cope with. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It's it's being surreal for reasons I don't understand. But Foo Action was commissioned even before the pilot went out. So we did almost get this instead of being human. I mean, do you think it's because of the people who were behind it, though? Like, I think... If gorillas are putting their yeah, names... Yeah, I think that's a major part of it, definitely. And they were big yeah, around that were, time, yeah. right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I love gorillas, so I'd probably have watched it, to be fair, just because I like Well, gorillas. if you can get through a whole episode, please let me know. I mean, I might give it a go, but I very much doubt it. But I just think um, for BBC Three, like trying to make some yeah. money, what what appeals to the audience? Oh, everyone loves gorillas. Yeah, we'll go with that yeah, then. Yeah, true. Uh Probably the second not. pilot is called West Ten London, London spelled LDN, and it was written and created by Noel Clark and set in a council estate in West London. Um, it's about two sisters who move into a neighbourhood and are immediately subjected to a world of crime, drugs and violence. It, um, it's very zippy, lots of fast camera work. It's not my world, I suppose. I mean, it, it makes sense for him, though, doesn't it? Because yes. Noel Clark did like adulthood and kid yeah, adulthood yeah. and stuff and right? again again if you're talking about yeah. popularity because of the success of those and they've been in doctor who obviously that that was an idea yeah. as well um another pilot was named disconnected and there's not really much online about this other than a trailer and it's a plot about teenagers from different areas when they combine after a mutual friend commits suicide yeah yeah it features bradley james of merlin who was at sex symbol for a while. I don't know who he is, but I'll, I'll do a oh, quick Google. Oh, Bradshaw. 
and Holiday Granger of Strike. <laughs> <laughs> I only just got what you said. Granger. <laughs> Didn't even... His, his name's only got one surname's only got one syllable, so it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, it just looks dated. It looks like they were going for a skins style vibe, and the fact that th- there's nothing online about it now, like even with Foo Action, someone's uploaded it and put it online. This is pretty much disappeared. Did it have like a small cult think... following then? That I Foo think Action. so. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's much uproar when it wasn't commissioned. Probably just like. Gorillas yeah, I expect so. Like, uh, it's like being human fans just follow, you know, Lord Toby and Damien around now because we we love being human. So I could do no wrong in our about. eyes. Uh, the fourth <laughs> pilot was called Mrs. Inbetweeny, and this what? is about siblings whose parents are estranged from each other and not around to care for them. So a long lost uncle from America comes to look after them. But he's now a pre-op transsexual called Emma. I haven't popped any. Pi- I haven't popped any <laughs> pills. Oh my god, that but cannot be there's real. There's no footage of this nah. anywhere. Absolutely none. It's so strange. I mean, I'm surprised that would have even been considered in that time. Well, yeah, even period? ten or what, twelve years ago, it's a strange one. But it stars Craig Parkinson, Rebecca <laughs> Statton, and Amelia Bullmore. And it's produced by Paul Abbott. So there's good names to it. It's just, there's n- I can't find any footage of it online whatsoever. Before the headline act, the last one is a show called The Thing I Haven't Told You. And it's written by a certain Lisa McGee who ended up writing for Being Human and doing this small show called Derry Girls. If I'd watched what I'd seen of the pilots now, I think I would have probably wanted this one to be the series. Um, okay. It's very 2008. I mean, the fashion. I mean, it's it's pure 2008. It's two pints of lager and a packet crisp type of fashion. But it's about. It's not too similar dissimilar to Disconnected. It's about a group of teenagers whose lives get complicated by a mysterious car crash. Um, but it's a really strong opening, and like it builds up, builds up throughout, and then the very end leaves on a cliffhanger for what could have been a a really good story to be told for the rest of the series uh yeah and there's a cool like yeah. riot girl soundtrack and punk rock soundtrack so oh and guess who appears in it len critch len critch oh, yeah len she plays critch. a teacher but her first few len. scenes are literally <laughs> staring disapprovingly at someone i think can you imagine if she actually listened to this ever len critch. and heard us call len. her len, <laughs> len. All right, Len. All right, when you put it like that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I've never met her, but if I do, I'm going to tell her that, that oh, you yeah, call I'm going to say it. you started yeah. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you were calling her Len. All right, then. Well, shall we get on to the headline act? <laughs> All right, Len. <laughs> Being human is the brainchild of Toby Whithouse, a writer, actor, and sometime comedian. In 2008, his writing CV included Where the Heart Is, Hotel Babylon, Torchwood, Doctor Who, and he also created the Channel 4 show No Angels about nurses based in Leeds so he did have previous as a showrunner as an actor he appeared in, can you believe this Goodnight Sweetheart he's in an episode of Goodnight Sweetheart I feel like yeah I feel like I did know that (laughs) but I don't know why Um, so he's in Kavanagh QC Doctors, Holby City uh, those last two are two staples of any British actor, and he's also had a very small role yeah. in Bridget Jones's Diary. I watched it again when I found out that he'd been in it a few years ago, and I was like, "There he is! <laughs> There's our boy, <laughs> Toby Whit. There's our boy. We lay at his feet, Lord, Lord Toby. Toby. Uh, okay, so Danny Cohen, Cohen, sorry, the BBC director approached Toby to write a pilot." And Toby's original script was about three housemates in a domestic setting that were very human, with human concerns, i.e. Mitchell was an alcoholic, George had OCD, and Annie was an agoraphobe. And apparently... In, Ooh, that sounds like yeah, awful, well, in the early drafts, it presented more as a sitcom. So can you imagine them just walking into the house or something and there'd be fake laughter, fake studio laughter or something? I... It, it makes me think of like the, what the American oh, version yeah. would be, filmed in front of a live studio audience. Ha ha ha, yeah. with fake laughing. Um, 
yeah. had a bit of a moment of inspiration where he turns their flaws into supernatural uh, I would say powers but they're not powers in being human that's part of the charm of being human it's not powers so being human was born it was yes. broadcast on 18th of February 2008 written of course by Toby Whithouse Guy Flanagan plays Mitchell Andrea Riseborough is Annie and Russell Tovey is George Claire Foy plays Julia and Adrian Lister takes the role of Herrick now how many times had you seen this before? Um, I think I've watched... Uh, when we were doing the bloggy vlog, I feel like I watched it probably a good five times. Yeah. But that it was a See, long time ago. I think I watched this once many yeah. years ago. And I probably slated it. And unfairly so. Because I think the crux of the show that we love now is there. Maybe it's because I'm so used to the characters we had. It was... It, and they were so set in stone to yeah. me. It was so weird watching two other people play characters. I th I think that's why, because watching it back today, I actually thought, I remember now why I love yeah. being human. Because like you say, the, the theme of the show is there. The ca the basis of the characters is all yeah, there. And, like, and I think what they've done with the series is they've evolved the things that worked and they've changed the things that didn't. We get Mitchell setting us up. He's uh, on a date, but kind of talking to the viewer in his gravelly voice. We get the very first sight of Toby's bum. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. First thing I wrote, wood. Now, George's bum. There's so many times that we're going to see to Toby's bum. I feel like I need a name for a feature for it or a sound effect <laughs> every time. Like a slap of a bum sound effect every <laughs> yes. time his bum appears. Oh, uh, we could put that. a pound in uh, Toby's bum box. Put a pound in the Rust bum box every time we see. Right. How was that? I mean, it actually wasn't an, an ass or anything. Don't get too excited. I'm going to capture that, and every time we see Toby's bum. You like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> Please do, because it's so funny. Mitchell is on it's a date. Uh, she's basically telling him how dark he is, how a friend thinks he's dangerous. I guess this this stems from the early days of writing Mitchell as an alcoholic. He's there shaking his 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 glass of wine. Now this Lauren is obviously yeah. an early incarnation of Lauren. So to in terms of playing this story out again properly in the series, I think it's an interesting choice because a lot of people talk about why being human didn't put this pilot in the DVD, and I think I know why because to me it's a rehearsal. A lot of the things to yeah. do with the vampires, Lauren, Herrick, they redid it. Yeah, like Herrick's big speech in the yeah. pilot. Yeah, so they the, definitely redid that in the season way better. There are certain things that move over to the, the start of series one, i.e. Annie being visible. But the rest of it, I, I don't know if I could really view it as canon. Because a lot of the same things happen in the pilot that happened in the series but it's done better in the series the only thing with the pilot that i felt was missing from the dvd yes. is yeah, the yeah. storyline of george's ex um and how he she turns up in the hospital and then i know we're, we're sort of getting sorry i'm diverting into later on in the pilot now um but that's missing from the season and it's never really explained what happened when he was on yeah. that holiday it's more he got scratched and then he just left there's no context Whereas in this pilot there is, there's backstory, maybe because missed out they're the rewriting the pretty much the whole vampire plot lines again. Perhaps he felt he didn't want to do that, and obviously, obviously in the series is obviously meeting Nina and things, and yeah, all opening that up. Maybe that's maybe part of it. Uh, yeah, so George yeah, wakes obviously. up naked at his stag party <laughs> after eating a stag, basically. Um, we're treated to what? Do, do the sound effect. George, <laughs> that just made it sound so sinister. <laughs> um, yeah, and he meets up with Mitchell. Uh, they then go to the hospital, and the coroner is talking about a dead body. Who is Julia? Uh, who is uh, Lauren? Sorry, this is a pure being human line and delivered in a pure being human way. A pretty thing like that. Her whole life ahead of her, and Richard Littlejohn still walking around. <laughs> That is a pure Toby line. 
didn't you think that Seth in the pilot was like a bit cooler than Seth in the actual yes. show? Because in the show, essentially, yeah, he's just a bit of a drip, isn't he? I, and he comes I prefer, out with these cheesy I pref- lines. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I love them. Yeah, I mean, he, I felt like in the pilot, Seth yes. was more yes. threatening than Herrick. Like, Herrick didn't come across as threatening at all. Seth was, like, quite... I was like, oh, he's obviously not a nice guy. Herrick, I, I thought, was a bit of a businessman. I Herrick. He comes across like a middle manager doing a speech. Yeah, exactly that. There was nothing threatening. It wasn't like, oh, we've all got to do what Herrick says because he's really scary, and if we don't, you know, it's going to be really bad. It's more like he's been to a business meeting abroad <laughs> yeah. and he's come back and he's presenting us yeah. with his findings. And you said you watched Peep <laughs> like, Show recently. Right. It's almost okay, like... Thank you, Herrick. I think we should combine sales and marketing. <laughs> yeah. We see George walking past a board with his ex-girlfriend's name on it and uh, another pound in the bomb box. It changes every time. For some reason, and this is blatant nudity for no reason, and I know you're not complaining, he's washing himself while he's talking to uh, Mitchell. I found that a bit much, you know. I just felt like I don't need to see him clean his armpits in that much depth. And his ass crack as well, like he proper scrubbed the ass crack. It was definitely clean after. Well, it's good to get get deep in there. It's got to remove the foliage. Well, clearly. I mean, I know he was like in the woods and stuff, but it was a bit over the top, I thought. So Mitchell first sets up the idea of the two living together with the quote, when in Rome, stop killing other Romans. Yeah, I wrote that down. What an interesting quote that is. How did you how did you find um Guy's delivery of that line, Mikey? I think the problem is he's he is I think he's playing it a way that they've asked him to. Very dry, very sarcastic, very morose, isn't he? They're they're trying to portray like a cool vampire who doesn't really care moves with the with his own flow. I think that's the vibe they're going for. Sometimes I wanted to tickle him just so he'd talk faster. <laughs> it's just like very baseline like give it some, i mean i know you're trying to be a cool vampire but you can throw in a little bit of emotion yeah and it was very monotone wasn't it can i do an impression of him okay when in rome stop eating the other romans boom mic drop boom that's why you're not an actor <laughs> yeah. That's, I guess that's the thing. There isn't that range, I suppose. He's killed Lauren, essentially, hasn't he? He doesn't really show any remorse. So my, my thought about that bit as well is when Mitchell suggests that him and George move in together so that he can have a period of being dry and not drinking people's blood all the time, George is like, really? You're going to stop? Do you think that's a good idea? Because if, if, if George and Mitchell have been friends... For like, I don't know how long they've been friends in this, but it seems maybe about a year, two years, because that's when George was attacked. And Mitchell's been drinking blood the entire time, and now George is actually a little bit concerned that he's going to stop. That's a completely different arc to the actual show. This is part of the reason I just don't think you can view this pilot as canon, really. There's contradictions going on. What I find even weirder is then George puts flowers next to Julia's bed. Julia wakes up. This is played by the very now famous Claire Foy of the Crown fame. She wakes up looking bloody good for someone who's just woken up in hospital. I thought that as well. No mats in the hair. Makeup was on fleek. She was getting ready to go and be Lizzie, that's why. And she's also not overly staggered to see George there. No, pretty calm, considering your dead boyfriend's just turned up. Uh, Yeah, so his excuse now is he caught something, which is, I mean, it's not a total lie. Sure, you can catch a curse just like you can catch feeling. So soon the pair come to an agreement on getting a place together and view what we now know as the pink house. Uh, the estate agent scene is a bit weird to me. I think it's more because of the, the playoff between Mitchell and the estate agent doesn't really work because she's very lively and he's just a bit... Yeah. Could you want to do an impression of that? I'm not about sunlight. That was a quote he said. I'm not about sunlight. I don't know why he's from, like, North London. <laughs> this scene proves the difference between Guy. And we're not having a go at Guy for his performance. He's obviously being told to do that. And Russell, who pretty much nails George from the off, doesn't he? It's just, it's all there. Like, the range of emotions, the humanity, the humour, the, the timing. It's pretty much nailed it from the pilot, which is pretty impressive. 
Yeah, he is George, though, isn't he? Like, I don't think anybody else could have played that character as good as he did. No, exactly. I agree. So what follows is a, a montage of them moving into the house. It's very subtle. It's done to the soundtrack of Common People by Pulp. It's just like, let's really hammer this point home. <laughs> Everybody loves a montage. Okay, so soon enough, there's graffiti on the wall saying, get out. And I found this quite strange because they didn't really hint that there was a lot going on in terms of a ghost in the house. Yeah. Because George kind of later says, oh, you did all that and you did all that. But there wasn't really uh, much of a lead up to that. Yeah. So how was she in the house all that time <laughs> if they can see her all the time? It's not like she hid herself from them because she wasn't even aware they could see her. Yeah, and as we know, George likes attacking people with inanimate objects. He chooses a cricket bat this time. Um, what was your first impression <laughs> of What was your first impression of Annie? I really liked her. I really like that actress um, as Annie. I think she's really funny, and I thought she was down, like down to earth and approachable. And I really, I really, really liked her. I wasn't sure at first. I think now, how the episode ends, I'm much more convinced that had she stayed on and done the series, I would have liked her. Because obviously yeah. when you, we first see her, she's angry and she's annoyed and she's a bit mouthy. So maybe it was that. And obviously, again, we can only go on our experience, but I loved Len Critch as Annie. You do, you do love yourself some Len Critch. I do love Critch. myself some Len Critch. So watching it, it's felt quite alien to see her doing that role. But, but yeah. what, I, what I really like is this is a pure... The, the way Russell delivers this line. Well, this has been great. My first ghost knockout. It <laughs> 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 just punches through the mood, I think. I thought um, George was quite confrontational with Annie. Like I know, I know they didn't get on at the start in the actual show, but he wasn't as like direct with the fact that he didn't no, like but her. I think that's one of the things that you could say would be canon because I, because they do reference Annie references it in the series, doesn't she? She says, "Well, you didn't like me at first, but we don't see a lot of that in from episode one, do we?" No. But I guess that's something to Toby felt he didn't really want to rewrite because he's done it. And he wants to move the plot on, maybe. Yeah, and also, did you notice that Mitchell was, like, really nice to Annie straight away? Yeah. And Mitchell's not really nice straight away? Yeah, and he's also, bear in mind, like, just stopped blurred at this point. So he would be pretty aggy and withdrawing. Yeah. And yet he's like, oh, you know, she's a ghost. This is her house. We should let her stay or she might disappear. Like, nah, Mitchell would have been, like, just... Let her go. I, I'm withdrawing. I want to just be in my room and be I miserable. Think, I think that version of Mitchell would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we we first touch on unresolved business, the the things that are keeping her on earth. And uh, what I love about this, they agree to Annie staying in her own house. <laughs> yeah, it's her house. Yeah. Um. So next up, Mitchell is told of an underground bunker at the hospital which would be perfect for werewolf transformations. Uh, every hospital needs one. <laughs> <laughs> Julia is then confronted by her boyfriend or husband in the car park and George walks in across this scene. Now, this is the first sign. It's a night before full moon. This is the first sign we see, like, Russell Tovey playing his Mardi acting, and I love it. Do you know what I struggled with, though, was this weird sixth sense that happens. Okay. Where did that oh, come from? Oh, he heard so a voice. He, yeah, he could like hear her from inside the hospital. Was just like he could he could hear her from from this weird sixth sense that he suddenly developed from yeah. nowhere, and then followed that distress to outside. When, Where the hell did that come from? Basically, he could have just walked out of the hospital and seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Like, do wolves have? supersonic hearing now i feel like that's never mentioned ever no, again th thankfully not because otherwise, no. otherwise he'd be in all sorts of situations if he heard anything wouldn't he yeah but then the funny he, thing is that, later on Matty? someone stuck down the wall <laughs> <laughs> doesn't um, mitchell call him lassie yeah. in this episode as well yeah um 
yeah, so he scares he scares him off. Um, I think he scares Julia as well. Then we're transformed back to the house, and this is why I need a nanny in my life because I make all the fucking tea in my house. <laughs> so this is the first reference to basically loads of cups being everywhere. And George asks Annie what dying is like, but she's clearly lying. Also, to sorry, yeah. just to divert back to that scene before. Do you know when um, George scares the guy and he's got him over the car? Yeah. He makes like a really big speech about the functions of the body and how things yeah. change. And that's quite a theme throughout being human, isn't yeah. it? When Mitchell describes what happens to him when he turns into a vampire... How does that, like, later on in seasons, it's quite a big being human thing. Yeah, and they kind of, I think, move uh, move a bit of that idea of that into the opening speech of series one, don't they? Yeah, exactly, when he's walking through Bristol. Yeah. And also how's Man of God speech. Yes, that's true, actually, yeah. yeah. They, they Like, these big speeches are describing what the sensations are like. like. So that's the first time we see it in that scene with George. Now, Mitchell is on a date because nothing says getting over murdering your previous date more than going on another one. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, he's just not remorseful, is he? Um, the Mitchell we know would be reluctant to meet with anyone because he knows what he's just done. He'd be worried he'd be do it again, but he's just there. Just You can't really see a humanity to him, and I guess that's the point of the show, isn't it? Is he on a date? I feel like he... Doesn't he go to a bar? He wants some distraction and he asks George and Annie to go with him, but they're like, no. Yeah, but I get... He... And then that woman just basically falls on the floor in front of him and is like, yeah, take me home. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. She doesn't even get a drink yeah. out of him. He also he also <laughs> references Testination. Now, I, I, I'm i assuming this is the original, the real hustle. Right, yeah, I wondered yeah, that. I guess that was going to be the thing, but I can't even remember what Testination was. I can't remember taste the t- t- test the nation taste the nation. I bet there is a show called Taste the Nation. <laughs> it's a different kind of show. It's late night Channel Four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the next morning we get uh, the first reference from Annie about the men with sticks and ropes. Yeah, what a disappointment that turned out to be, though. I mean, spoilers for Time to Hail. Come on. Spoiler. Like, I know. Well, I mean, it's it's like. It's like five years since it finished. <laughs> I feel like if they if people haven't watched it at this point, there's Mate, something I don't wrong with them. News to you, it's nine years since it finished. Is it? Bloody hell! So we touched on this earlier. Mitchell heads off to meet his fellow vamps, and we're introduced to Herrick, played by a- Adrian Lester. And now, I love some of the wordplay, like things like "we we are our own monuments," or "for centuries we have suppressed our nature." And there's one like I think it's "breaking bread with freaks." But if that's delivered by a middle manager, it's not really having that same effect, isn't it? And obviously, they're being directed to do it that way. But yeah. just imagine Jason Watkins saying that. Yeah, I just, like, genuinely, I just, he reminds me of, like, my manager. Your your actual real-life uh, manager? Maybe my old my, my old manager. Mm. Um, Yeah, he doesn't, he's not scary. No, no. Do you know? Yeah, that's the main problem. And again, I, I think just because a lot, I think a lot of American shows do this, just because you're talking slowly and with a bit of authority doesn't make you scary or, you know, a threat. No. And I think that's probably what the vampires in this pilot have fallen into the trap of, talking slowly, deliberately, making their point, and it, but it's not threatening and it's not, it's even though Herrick that we know from Jason Watkins is part of the world. He's literally a police officer and he talks like a real person. He's got that jollity, but he's also got when he turns, he's got that mad threat. And this is just yeah. There's no like menace no. behind this guy, is there? It's like he's just saying it factually. Yeah. So it's very flatline, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas Her- when Jason Watkins says it, it's like. It sounds nasty. Even he could say something really nice, and you'd think actually he's really yeah. gonna try and kill me later. This is like I went to Summerfield to get a baguette. <laughs> what? what is Summerfield? Does that even <laughs> exist anymore? It does. <laughs> now, what do we do with these baguettes but make them into monuments? 
it's 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 that threatening, isn't it? Well, yeah, forget, it's the yeah, it's just it's not... as threatening as a baguette mon- monument. I can't imagine what that. I'm sure Banksy is probably going to create that at some <laughs> point in the future. Meanwhile, George is off to the isolation room, but again, this is a. I think Toby's rewritten this kind of with Nina later in the series. Julia chases him down there for some answers about his weird behaviour before. Now, this is the big sign that we get Annie's agoraphobic because George rings Annie and she's struggling to leave the house to get Julia out there. But did you notice a big thing about this scene that dates it? What? Flip phone. <laughs> it's always the phones. That's, That's how you it. can tell what That's year why it is. No show should concentrate too much on a... Th- uh, no series should fo- concentrate too much on a phone because as soon as you do that, you're dating it. Yeah, The Matrix is a good example, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So we get the first example of the Russell Shriek. Uh, but Annie gets there just in time and grabs Julia out. Now, again, this plays a bit like the pilot because there's even that look through the, the eye hole, wasn't there? Yeah. But obviously, with that, George recognised Nina and kind of calmed down a bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I thought this scene in the pilot was amazing. Yeah, I, I thought it was played really well. I really liked the actress playing yeah, Julia. Yeah. I thought, I thought she was re- like really matter of fact. You know, well, we've got to talk then, haven't we? And and obviously, George is hit when he transforms. It's always iconic. Yeah, like it was just always really good. And then that was the first proper time we got to see him like really tortured about the fact he was transforming. Yeah, I also wonder if. Um, the reason it looks so good is because it's next to that Herrick speech, which is just a little bit placid. Yeah, you might be right, actually. Because they like intertwine, don't they? Herrick's speaking, and then it flicks to George in the in the room, yeah. and then it goes back to Herrick, and it's they're like two scenes. Okay, so the Herrick two scenes with two different energies, aren't they? Oh, massive! Like the George scene is really intense, and the Herrick scene is like, okay, my manager's telling me <laughs> off again. Did you read your email? <laughs> no. Exactly. No. Did you read? You accidentally put the word fuck in your email again, Sue. (laughs) Stop sending those memes. Uh, uh, So basically, yeah, Julia says her goodbyes and uh, it's along the lines of thanks, you're a lot hairier than I remember. I mean, I just thought it was a bit brief. It was a bit brief, wasn't it? Okay, I've seen you turn into a werewolf yet. I think I'm good. I'm going to go now. Like, she's very calm about these situations. Her dead boyfriend came back. She was all right with that. Turns out he's actually a werewolf. Yeah, she's pretty chill. Cool. I just go back to my abusive boyfriend. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to conclude, they end up in the pub together. Now, obviously, Annie is out in the pub with them. This is establishing them as a team, obviously, for a potential series ahead. But outside the pub, another thing that was rewritten, Lauren confronts Mitchell, but she's reveling in being a vampire. She doesn't kill anyone this time. And then Herrick joins in and says... Do you want to go to a work stew tonight? <laughs> <laughs> the bit I found most frustrating about that whole scene was the fact that Herrick stood behind her like some sort of bodyguard and Lauren was like the centre of attention. Yeah. Herrick would never have done that. No. In the show. Like, he would have been front and centre. Like, Lauren can kiss his ass. She's just a new recruit. She's nothing. It's, yeah, it's more like Lauren's going, hey, let's get pissed this weekend. And then... Herrick appearing behind going, no, you've got work on Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly that, yeah. Also, I found the actress really annoying that was playing Lauren. Uh, It's a bit over the top. Yeah. I'm sure it's not the actress herself, just to put that out there. (laughs) The the scene was awful. I just think with a lot of these things, it's how they're asked to do it, isn't it? You know, sometimes they're told to tone it down or or push it further, aren't they? So it's... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there was a director there, wasn't there, saying either yes, I liked that, or yeah. no, I didn't. So, Yeah, so that is pretty much it. The title's uh, run, and that is the end of the pilot. I find it better now than I did a few years ago, because now I see the crux of the show that I like is there. I genuinely think it's because when I watched it the first time, I was already, like, on season yeah. two. Yeah, uh, probably two or three. So yeah. I... Yeah, so I loved all of the cast. I didn't want to see somebody else playing Mitchell or somebody else playing Annie. I wasn't interested in it. So yeah, I just didn't like it then. I think it was just my own preconception of what the cast should be. But now when I watch it, I'm like, ah, this is like nostalgic. Yeah, 
It's how the show yeah, was exactly. born. And you can look on the, with a different uh, sensibility about it, I guess. So to watch it again, it's just like, oh, now I know why I loved it so much. Feels like home. Even with the pilot. It yeah. does feel like home. Just before it was about to go into production, Foo Action was cancelled and Being Human was then given the green light to go ahead. This is undoubtedly due partly to an online petition by Narin Baha, a journalist at the Reading Chronicle. It gained a few thousand signatures and I think that mixed with maybe some damp reviews of Foo Action is what kick-started Being Human. Uh, for the first for the series proper, obviously Mitchell was recast and Aidan Turner took the role. Um, and I think it is more or less because Guy went and Adrian Lester went. It's more that they wanted to do something different with the vampires. Wasn't Lenora also in a couple of shows just prior to she being was in human? Sugar Rush. Yeah, I remember Sugar Rush. I used to really like that yeah. show. So. Andrea Riseborough, as far as I know, would have continued, but in between filming the pilot and it being commissioned, she'd got other work. Interesting. I really, I did really like her as Annie. I think she would definitely have been a good, yeah, good Annie. But obviously, we love Lenora. Lenora Critchlow was cast as Annie, and the being human that we love was born. Amen. <laughs> That's cute. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED talk. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to... I'm going to rewatch it yeah. following this. Probably along with the podcast, I reckon. Well, here's the deal. Why don't you come back for episode six of series one? Oh, I love that episode, exactly. yes. Thank you, Hemming. You're most welcome, Michael. And that concludes episode one. You can find the podcast on all the socials. On Facebook and Instagram, we are the Box Tunnel Survivors Group. On Twitter, it's at Box Tunnel Pod. So on the next full moon, that's July 13th, two episodes will drop. These will cover the first two shows from Series 1. In terms of availability of Being Human, annoyingly it is no longer on BBC iPlayer. I kind of thought it would be with it with BBC Free coming back, but it hasn't returned. And it was taken off Netflix a couple of years ago. But if you don't have the DVD and you live in the UK, BritBox is currently the only streaming home for it. So basically, in short, buy it on DVD. We are all booked up for Series 1, but if you would like to be a guest on the podcast in the future, contact me at boxtunnelpod at gmail.com. The theme tune for the pod is the brilliant Dog Scratched Ear by Henry's Funeral Shoe. Don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, or whatever it is you do on your app of choice. Okay, well, this has been great. Our first episode, Knockout. was the box tunnel podcast and